Last week, just a quick review, we talked about, um, I gave you an overview of what we're going to be doing over the next uh, several weeks together. And um, if you remember, we talked through how to read your Bible. One way of looking at it, we could do it by summarizing it in six C's. So we talked about determining the context and then gathering the clues. And then we talked about the importance of comparing Scripture with Scripture, right? And consulting outside sources, drawing your conclusion, and then most importantly, committing to, to what it is you've learned. And, and I talked to you about how that's like a golf swing. And, and for some of you, I know, I've heard back from some of you, it feels a little mechanical and it, it, that's hard to do. And that's, that's no surprise. This may be new to you. And so don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. That's why we're here. That's why we're um, spending time in a large group. Then you could spend time every day doing this and then time within your small group to where you get to the point to where you hit that ball and it goes straight in the middle of the fairway and it starts to become second nature to you. The Bible is meant to be understood, and we sure don't want to complicate it, but we do want to give you some, some guidelines, if you will, some, some rails or tracks to run on so that you can better understand um, what it says. And, and today, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to focus on the first C. And then in the weeks ahead, ahead we'll just take a C at a time such that you'll see the complete process. So what I'm going to do today is primarily just focus on what does it mean to determine the context and, and why is that why is that important? Now, some of you guys are in real estate, and, um, or some of you guys are longtime Dallasites, and you may have friends or family from out of town, and if they were to come to Dallas and ask you, hey, show me around the city of Dallas. Now, there, there are a couple of ways you could do that, right? Um, it would depend on the purpose or the way uh, you would want to show them. Some of you would say, you know what, we could take a helicopter tour. If you really want to see the city of Dallas, I mean, I... I could take you around, and um, what I could do is I could show you where Texas Stadium is in relation to downtown Dallas, in relation to Las Colinas, to Plano, to McKinney. I could show you how all these things fit, where they are. I could give you a big picture view. It would be, you'd see more, it'd be faster, it'd be pretty impersonal, but it would be a helicopter tour. Or some of you could say, hey man, let me show you around Dallas. And you could take a walking tour. And a walking tour... There's some differences. You'd see things up close. You would see less. It would be slower, definitely be more personal. Right? But you would, you could say, hey, you know, I showed them around Dallas. Either way. And both have a, a great purpose. The, the helicopter tour, you could get a lot out of that. And the walkie tour would have its advantages, if you will. And so, uh, my hope today is simply to offer you a helicopter tour of the book of Colossians. And then when you go in your small group, that's where I hope you guys, based upon your time in the Word this week and the discussion that you'll, you'll have in your group, you will take more of a walking tour. So, as you know, we've read through Colossians 1, and my hope is not to walk you through every verse this, that, we, that we read from Colossians 1, but to give you a big picture view as we, dis, we discover, uh, discuss and the importance of context, and then you're going to break in your small groups, and you're going to work through some of the particulars. Look, if you will, at page um, 7, and you'll see in your notebook there that those are the small group questions that you have that will guide you in your walking tour. Um, well, as we've talked about the importance of context, as we take this helicopter tour of the book of Colossians, um, get a big picture view, there's, there's several things to keep in mind that you'll see each day uh, when you 
look at that chart on determining the context. One of the first things you want to ask yourself is, what is the historical context? And, and so you want to look at things like uh, who the author is, uh, what time this book was written, and to whom did he write. The author is uh, the Apostle Paul. Many of us are familiar with Paul and his life and his dramatic conversion. It's told within the book of Acts, which is a history book. It's the fifth book in the New Testament. And, um, and Paul, what's important to keep in mind here is that he's not a man who uh, was real excited about Jesus Christ and his followers and his teaching at one point. What's important to keep in mind here is that this man who wrote this book, who speaks now so boldly about the person of Christ, was once a man who uh, persecuted the followers of the way, those who were um, Christians. This man was one who not only persecuted, but killed Christians. And then we read about his dramatic conversion in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 9. And I encourage you just to write that down. And look back at it a little later. But now the same man who was once a persecutor for the church is willing himself to be imprisoned and persecuted. Because now he is a follower of Christ. And that is the author of which, who wrote Colossians. And he wrote during a time in which he was in prison. This is known as his first Roman imprisonment. Around the time of 60 to 61 AD. Now this is about 30 years after the time Christ died. And the very last two verses in the book of Acts read this way, in Acts 28, 30 through 31. And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered. Now you can write right beside this, Colossians. It's during this time that Paul wrote the book of Colossians. It's also during this time he wrote the book of Ephesians and Philippians and Philemon. And this is known as the first Roman imprisonment. Okay? That's why these four books are called the prison epistles. The prison epistles. And incidentally, it's those four books that we're going to study over the next several weeks. Look, if you will, on page 23 under resources in your book. You'll see on page 23. You'll see what we've entitled the integration of the New Testament. I'll tell you what that means. Just again, to set the context here. Your, Your New Testament opens with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, known as the what? The Gospels. And then the book of Acts, which is a history book. Now, it's these letters which come later that were written during the time which is spoken of in the book of Acts. So it's important to have the book of Acts um, in mind as you read through these books we're going to study. Now these books show you, or this chart rather, shows you the chronology in which these books were written. They do not appear um, uh, in chronological order in, in your Bible. They um, are grouped according to category, with Paul's letters and non-Pauline epistles and such. And so, uh, many people believe that Galatians was the first book that Paul actually wrote. But right above Ephesians, you can write, on that chart, you can write 1st Roman imprisonment, 
Acts 28, 30 through 31. And then right above 1 Timothy, you could write release. It was believed that he was released. And then right above 1 Timothy, you could write second Roman imprisonment and death. And so this just helps you kind of get a big picture view of what's happening here. That at this time, Paul's in prison in Rome. He's already written um, these first eight books, Galatians, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Romans. And now he's going to pin these four books. He's going to be released, during which time he's going to write to Timothy. He's going to write to Titus. He's going to be imprisoned again um, in Rome. And he's going to write 2nd Timothy, which is going to be his, his final book. And then uh, he's going to be martyred for his faith. So that's, that's the big helicopter uh, view of the time in which he wrote. Now, to whom did he write? He wrote to a group of people who lived in the city called Coloss. Now, this city was located in a fertile valley. It was once known or popular because of its uh, rich black uh, wool. And um, it was once a populous city, but now it's a city that's on the decline. Um, of all the cities or people that, that Paul actually wrote to, this is probably the, the smallest, as some people would say, the, the least significant uh, uh, town in which Paul addressed. And, and so it's a, it's a smaller town that's on the decline because the commerce of the towns around it ha- has grown so much. And incidentally, it was never even visited by Paul. Instead, it was established by a guy named Epaphras. And uh, people believe that Epaphras probably came to know Christ on Paul's third missionary journey, which is spoken of in the book of Acts. And, um, and it's during this time where Paul's in prison that Epaphras came and visited him and told him about what was happening in the false teaching that arose within Coloss, this church that was started by this man named Epaphras, whom Paul converted. So that, that tells you a little about the historical context in which this book takes place. There's also a literary context that's important to keep in mind. This is a letter, and so we want to understand it with that, with that mindset. And um, it's similar to the other uh, prison epistles or the other prison letters. Um, Of note, primarily, it's similar to the book of Ephesians. One man has said it well that Ephesians stresses the church as the body of Christ, and Colossians stresses Jesus as the head of the body. And and I think that's true. You will see similarities as we study these, these same two books. And as I mentioned earlier, there's a theological context. What is killing this church is false teaching. And that is Paul's primary motivation for why he wrote. And so the purpose of the theological background here is that Paul wants to refute the false teaching that's threatening threatening the supremacy of Christ and the call or our need to submit to him. And so here Paul is, he's in prison, he was once a persecutor of the church, now he's being persecuted because of his faith in Jesus Christ. He's established churches, he gets word back from a man whom he helped bring to Christ about a group of people who are in this town called Colossus who are facing false teaching, how this false teaching is dividing the church. And Paul sits down to write, and he talks about the greatness, the supremacy of Christ, and our need to submit to him. That is the helicopter tour. In just a moment now, I'm going to let you go and take the walking tour. And what, gang, I, what I really want to encourage you is your small group is only going to be as effective as the time you spend in the Word each day and coming prepared. 
And I want to challenge the small group leaders and remind them as, as the tour guides to ensure that when we give an answer to these questions that we go, man, let's back those up using Scripture. To not just take a guess, but let's look. Let's practice these six steps. Let's consider the context. Let's gather the clues. And let's look through here and see how we would answer these questions that you see on page 7. In your walking tour, just real quickly, what you should see, though, a quick outline of chapter 1, is you're going to see it can be broken up in just a few, in few parts. There's the introduction, where you see Paul's greeting, his word of thanksgiving, and then that great prayer. Looking at the prayers of Paul is a whole other talking of itself. He has a great prayer for them. He speaks of the supremacy of Christ in verses 15 through 24, which, um, man, if you have any doubt about what the Bible says about who the person is, person of Jesus Christ is, look at Colossians 1. And uh, you'll see that in verses 15 through 23, he speaks of the person of Christ and the work of Christ. And then finally, he speaks of his own ministry in verses 24 through 29. That is chapter 1, just in a nutshell. Again, a quick run through. But what I want you to look for today in your, your tour, if you will, is to look and see what he says about the person and work of Christ. On one side of the paper, you could just write Christ's supremacy in creation. And on another side of the same piece of paper, you could write Christ's supremacy in the church. Christ's supremacy in creation is spoken of in verses 15 through 17. And Christ's supremacy in the church is spoken of in verses 18 through 20. And just write down, hey, what do I see? What do I see about what Paul says about his supremacy um, in creation? What does it say about his supremacy in the church? Now, these questions are going to guide you um, in, in helping you do just this. But it's a great exercise to say, so what are some conclusions we can come up with about who Christ is and what he's done for us on the cross? And what does that have to say to us today? Um, And then in the future, what you're going to see, continuing our little helicopter tour here, is I want you to look for places where Paul discusses false teaching. Look where he talks about the need for a higher or a special knowledge. Look where he talks about the need for religious ceremonies and rituals that people are discussing and saying is important for the day. Look how he combats this idea of asceticism, this idea that the denial Excuse me, the denial of certain physical appetites is good. And look how he talks about the need for intermediaries, where there are those who believe that we need angels to intercede for us, and how he raises up Christ. So he combats these four false ideas. And you need to just take note as you read through this and consider the historical background and the context. And what is it that he's addressing? What are the arguments of his day that he's addressing? How do they compare to the arguments of our day? How are the answers that Paul gave during his time, how are they just as affable and just as necessary and important for our day? Because I'm telling you, there's very little difference. We may wrap it up the language, we may explain it different, but the heresy of yesterday is still the heresy we combat today. There's very little difference. And so um, so I want to dismiss you here in in just a second, but um, again... I gave you just a quick helicopter tour, and next week, Scott Coy's going to come, and he's going to see you up here, and uh, he's going to walk you through what does it look like to kind of gather the clues. When you, when you really dig down into that chapter, what are, what are some things you should look for once you've considered the context? And we're going to continue just to put this, uh, all the pieces together so that when you swing this golf club, it's going to feel uh, much more natural, and that ball's going to land in the, the center of the fairway. But I just want to encourage you to hang in there. 
and, um, and stick with it each day and just walk, work your way through some of these steps. Um, but to drive all of this, obviously, and I hope you know, our heart is, is not just to make you a smarter sinner, but to drive you toward application. You can know all of the teaching, you can know all of the doctrine, but the importance is, is, is what does it do within our hearts? And, that, and that's uh, what we really want to emphasize, gang, is the big so what. And, and in closing, i just tell you my two thoughts from day one and day two on that note. On day one, I just was struck once again by Paul's language where he says in, in verse 18, where he talks about how Christ should have first place in everything. And, and it just struck me once again to ask myself using that language, you know, can I confirm or deny that Jesus Christ has first place in everything in my life? And if I gather those around me who know me well, what would they either, what would they say? And, and what would be the barom- what is the barometer to judge whether or not Christ has first place in everything in my life? And then in day two, I sat there and I read and I got to verse 28, the verse we memorized. And you notice that it repeats, if you, at least if you memorize the New American Standard Version, it repeats every man three times. And we proclaim him, right? We proclaim Christ, that's the heart of what he's saying here, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. He repeats every man three times. I thought, man, what a vision for the summit. What if everybody had that burden? Everybody shared that sense of responsibility that we would present every man complete in Christ. That if every one of us, as we gathered on Thursday, said, man, we don't want to just kind of make it through the morning and check the box, but our hope and our goal is that we'll prepare every week that we can come here so that every man in our group could be spurred on and pushed so that they may be complete in Christ. That's my hope and that's my prayer. All right? And I hope it is yours as well. Let me pray for you and then you're going to go on that walking tour, all right? Lord in heaven, I thank you for my friends. I thank you for their sacrifice, for being here. I thank you, Father, for their commitment to read your word each day. I pray, Lord, that it would be more than an intellectual exercise, but you'd capture our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that, um, that this little book right here, these four chapters, um, would pierce our hearts, Lord, and help us to consider what it is the heresy is of our day and how, how Paul spoke and exalted the suprem- your supremacy, the supremacy of Christ, and our need to submit to him. And I pray that would be true in our lives, Lord, that we would clearly know who Jesus is, what he's done for us, his work on the cross, and that our lives would be uh, fully submitted to him. We love you, Lord, and ask for your blessing upon our time together. In Jesus' name, amen.